0: Hi, I'm Craig Ellingson, sports editor at the Edmonton Journal and the Edmonton Sun, and this is our Orders podcast for Friday, March the 3rd, 2017. With me in the podcast studio today, I've got Robert Tchkowski, hockey writer. Hi, Rob. Hi, how are you doing? Good, and the hockey writer Derek Van Deest. Oh. Well, we're, uh, here we are after the trade deadline has come and gone. Um, the Orders made a couple of moves, minor ones. Or are they minor moves? In particular, the pickup of David DeHarnay, or is it DeJarnay? DeHarnay, isn't
1: it? Most of the letters are silent in his name. Are they?
0: (laughs) Okay. From the Montreal Canadiens. Let's start talking about, let's talk about that since uh, that's still a topic of discussion. He will play tomorrow against Detroit Mm -hmm. and out comes Drake Kajula. Why did they pick him up?
1: Well, you talk about a minor deal. That's kind of the dictionary definition of a minor deal. It's it's pretty low risk. Uh, he may or may not fill some of the roles that they need. Uh, he has scored in the past. He has won face-offs in the past. He hasn't done a whole heck of a lot this year, so it's, they're taking a chance to see if maybe this guy can deliver a couple of things they need, like a, you know a depth forward and somebody who's just average on the draws. Like They're not even looking for a guy who's killer on the draws, just somebody who isn't getting schooled all the time. So... You know, give him a few a few games to settle in and see what he's all about. But uh, you know, I don't I don't think the expectations are too high, and it's one of those things that you know he might surprise some people, or he might just you know be who he was, and then and then that's that. They were going to lose that defenseman anyway, so it's a risk that I guess you take.
2: Yeah, this is a strict rental. This is just a rental player to see if he can fill in a void. They were they were going to lose Davidson in, in the expansion draft, so they thought, well, we can bring in this guy can help us, and they feel that they're deep at at defense. Um, I'm not all, all convinced that they are. I think if they get a couple of key injuries on the back end, they'll still be in, in kind of trouble. But, yeah, this is a guy that they need some help up the middle uh, in order to free up, I think, Drysaddle to play on the wing. They want to have that uh, that option to Have playing Drysaddle on the first line with Connor McDavid. And if you're not getting any production from any of your other three lines, it's tough to do and just load up everyone on one line. So I think the fact that... They bring this guy in. He has scored in the past. He, like Rob said, he has won face-offs in the past. It's just uh, Montreal just it got a place where Montreal is kind of like Edmonton. Sometimes they eat their own, and we do that here in Edmonton. And, uh, you know, Joffrey Lupo's is a good example of that. They ran him out of town. And, and Desjardins, if you're a French-Canadian in Montreal and you're playing well, you're you you're the king of that town. But if you're not playing well, the heat's on you pretty fast.
1: Remember, Justin Schultz was garbage when he was here, right? They couldn't get rid of him. And then guess what? He's a functional player on a on a Stanley Cup team. So sometimes just getting out of that, that hornet's nest and getting a fresh start and playing in your role, right? You know, don't play above yourself. Don't expect him to be more than he is. Just expect him to be what he is and, and get out of the spotlight. And maybe a player like that can kind of be reborn a little bit and help.
0: I'll bet you the orders well, of course they wish they still had that second-round pick they lost when they signed Peter Shirelli, because, ostensibly, yeah. they would have gotten somebody else if they could have, um, you know, one of the Brian Boyles or Martin Hansels of the world. Um, because, you know, losing Davidson, you know, the depth defenseman, I know, of course, he would have been targeted in the expansion draft. But, um, you know, Harnay uh, he's not obviously. He's not even the prototypical size of a player that Shirely would go after. No,
2: not at all. He's he's five foot seven, probably closer to five foot six, five foot five. Um, he's not, and it's one of those things. They didn't have that draft pick because of the, the rule where, you, where if you lose someone in management, you have to give up a draft pick. Um, I but I don't know. From what I've understand, this year's draft, the upcoming draft, isn't very strong. So I think that's why there was a lot of teams were kind of scuffing on on draft picks they weren't really as high a commodity as maybe they had been in, in previous years but um yeah he's not he's a guy that isn't in the mold of Shirelli but you can't have a team full of big big guys you have to have some speed you have to have some some smaller guys that can kind of be you know agitator type players and 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 create that that speed element and I think he he probably does that
1: yeah he's uh he's a small guy but he plays pretty hard <laughs> they were joking at practice that he's kind of like a smaller version of Chris Russell and, but he's on. He's on a team now where you can afford to have a couple of those guys because it is a big, tough team. Maybe one of the toughest teams in the league. So I think they can afford to have a guy who's a little bit undersized, as long as he plays hard and has a little bit of heart. And uh, if he can stir up trouble, he's got guys around him to kind of answer to that trouble. So I think it might be a, a, a decent little a little spot
0: for him. So he's different than Jared Smithson, then. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yes. Jared Smithson's a guy that they brought in during the lockout year. Uh, when the Oilers were making a playoff push and they needed some help on the back end. They needed some help on the third and fourth line and they needed a guy to win face-offs. And they went out and got Jared Smithson. That didn't really
1: help them much at all. Yeah, they played themselves. <laughs> they were two points two points into a spot and the team's all excited. Okay, we're loading up for the stretch drive. And yeah. Jared Smithson. Everybody's like Googling, who's Jared Smithson?
2: Yeah. And, uh, he, there's 700-some players in the NHL and if you're ranking players by how good they are in the NHL, it's Jared Smithson would have been in that 700th area somewhere like he was some people thought he was literally literally the worst player in the NHL
0: (laughs) (laughs) well I think he's a former Prince Albert Raider so Mm -hmm. I do have a soft spot for him (laughs) um another trade deadline non-move of course was the orders did not acquire a backup goalie like many people thought they were going to do of course not very many goalies moved Ben Bush did move to LA but you know the orders stood pat with what they have Mm -hmm. as did a lot of teams um why didn't Why didn't the Oilers make that move?
1: I, I think the, the I think just the asking price was a little bit too high, and and frankly, like I know people are saying heading into it, you know, you got to get. I thought the time to get a backup goalie was about three months ago, when you can give Cam Talbot some rest. They're heading into a stretch now where he's not going to play a minute in the playoffs, like literally not a second, unless Talbot gets hurt. And if Talbot get hurt gets hurt, the Oilers are done anyway. There's not a, I don't think there's a guy they could have brought in that could have carried the Oilers as far as as Talbot had done. So investing a whole bunch in a guy for that role to maybe play two three games down the stretch here and then nothing in the playoffs yeah you know you don't want to give up a whole bunch for that player i mean maybe if if something was there they they would have done it but i I just think the asking price was too high for the amount of work that that goalie was going to get down the stretch and in the playoffs which in my opinion be virtually nothing
2: well they say that those that don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it and if this town knows more than any town knows if you're top goalie goes down it can be very costly obviously back in 2006 Drain Rolson going down and the Oilers probably cost him the Stanley Cup the others likely would have won the Stanley Cup if Dwayne Rolson didn't get hurt I don't have a, a huge issue with them not overpaying to get a backup goaltender but I, I, I do think that you're rolling the dice a little bit not necessarily for the playoffs but if let's say um, Talbot tweaks something and he's out for a week or he's out for you know, 10 days or something like that and, and that's 4 or 5 games the way the schedule is loaded right now um, you don't have a lot of wiggle room there. And, and I do you have the confidence in Laurent Bressois to kind of hold the fort? And the thing with, with Cam Talbot is, is this is a guy that's making three or four great saves in first periods to keep his team in the game before they kind of find their legs and get going. Maybe it's because all those big bodies takes them a little while to get going. I don't know. But without those three or four big saves in the first period, the Oilers are going into second periods only down one or 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 even but if you don't, if you don't get those big saves then suddenly you're down three nothing going into the third period that's a completely different thing and i don't think laurent Brossoit provides that or is able to provide that so i think i think you are rolling the dice a little bit and it, it doesn't have to be a, a season-long injury or a season-ending injury for heck for cam for this team to be in serious trouble it, it all all it takes is something let him tweak something and he's out for 10 days Two weeks, and then if you're out with without Cam Talbot for two weeks down the stretch drive, there's going to be a lot of nervous people here in Edmonton.
1: Yeah, that. I mean, that could be said for Saddle or McDavid as well. Like, I mean, you, I, you don't think he'll get hurt if he does get hurt, like for a week or so down the stretch? Then you're then you're in a little bit of trouble. But I, I just, the price was too high. I'm sure they were in the market. I'm sure they were looking. But um, you know, if, if they're asking for live bodies or or higher picks, and they were willing to give up or or players who had. You know, salary into next season. You're you're in a spot where you just you can't do it. You have to say, okay, don't get hurt, and let's hope that if you if something does does happen on a a short term that Brusaw can step in. And I mean, you know, he's a player in the National Hockey League. You gotta you you have to give him a chance to to play and see what he can do. And he isn't terrible. Like he's 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 okay. And if he just you know gets a couple of games if 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 need be, then maybe he uh, you know maybe he can deliver what they're asking for. But I doubt there'll be more than 120 minutes played by another goalie other than Cam Talbot, Cam Talbot from now until the end of the season?
0: So yes, we mentioned the schedule. We are coming into that stretch drive in a very busy March. Uh, a lot of it, I mean, of the remaining games, a lot of them are at home. Now the Oilers, you know, they've played well on the road. They haven't played as well at home is that a concern heading into March? I mean, you know, even we were talking before the podcast, you know, about the kinds of teams that are playing as well. Um, you know, teams that are chasing a playoff spot may be desperate to try to cement or get themselves into a playoff position. So what does this mean for the Oilers? How, what do they do to, you know, what do they do? Of course they prepare for games. But I don't know, it's, I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, here we are, oilers are in a playoff position. But as we saw last month, the Calgary Flames at one point in time weren't were not solely in a playoff position and now they are after having a very good February.
1: Well it's it's this stretch is gonna be a real it's gonna be fun and it's gonna be a good test for the oilers because like you said, like, you know, in terms of strength of schedule, they're not it's not exactly murders row, but it's almost harder because you're, they're playing a lot of teams that are in by two points or out by two points and every every team they're playing just about uh, is going to be playing for its life so they're going to have to get into that mode where you know every game has playoff intensity and every game you have to you know show up and be ready from the start and you know this is a team like Derek was saying that kind of eases itself in a game sometimes and this this is going to be a good warm-up for them heading into the playoffs because they're going to start playing playoff hockey like right out of the box immediately. Because, well, maybe not with Detroit, but uh, right away here because all the teams coming in uh, have to, you know, they need these points probably more so than the Oilers because Edmonton looks at it and says, okay, we got a 10-point cushion, and then human nature kind of kicks in. But, you know, they can't look at it that way. They have to look at it, you know, we got a 2-point cushion over Anaheim because they're playing for home ice, and they have to look at it that way, that they need to open the playoffs at home as opposed to, you know, whatever we're in by ten, and and sink down to you know third in the in the division because uh, I think it would be behooves them to to open the playoffs at home.
2: Yeah, and I think with the arena, the new arena is. I don't think it, it took a while for that for it to feel like home. It was still a new arena. It's like moving into a new house. You're still not sure of some some places and some things, and and there and there's very little atmosphere in that new arena, and I think that has to do with. One, I think they've priced out a lot of people that would bring that atmosphere. The ticket prices are a little higher than they were, obviously, at Rexall Place. And so you don't have that that mid-level fan that just goes there and has fun and, and screams and yells. Also, I think this arena is a little more cavernous than the other one was. The roof's a little higher, so even if you do yell and scream... Um, sound kind of gets lost in the roof, and uh, so there's a lot of things that this team—they they were still trying to get used. to The ice is is terrible, for lack of a better word. They, they've been they've been fighting with, with it all year, and I know they, they 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 talk about it's improving, it's improving. But you talk to the players off the record, and they say it's it's among one of the worst in the league. So it's it's they got to figure that out. So they don't have that advantage anymore. We have fast ice for your players, and so there's a lot of things that this team had to kind of figure out at home first before they kind of became dominant and become before this place comes kind of a fortress for them i think they're getting that way and i think helping this will help this long extended homestand but i agree with rob you they can't look at the standings and go into games and say well we have we have a cushion they have to play desperate hockey it's been a long long time since the orders were on this side of the line playing to kind of keep a playoff spot as opposed to playing to get into the playoffs even in that 2006 run they were playing to get into the playoffs and they just got into the playoffs with like two games to go in the season so it, this is a very very different situation for the Edmonton Oilers now and they really kind of have to play desperate hockey even though they're not in a desperate situation because it could just snowball on you real quick and I think uh, the management knows that I think team that uh, the coaches know that and it's up to the players to realize that that this isn't a cakewalk just because you have thirteen of eighteen at home.
1: Yeah, that, that you're right about that building. It's like the Air Canada Centre in Toronto now. It's you got a whole bunch of rich people in a big cavernous building, and you know most part everybody sits on their hands. And it's about fifteen degrees in there. It's freezing cold because they can't get the ice right. It's it's not really a hockey building yet. It's uh, it's you know it's a great building, but it's not necessarily a comfortable hockey building. So I mean they have to sort of develop that. Maybe when they go in and see that Garth Brooks banner, that'll Give everybody goosebumps. And they'll got all fired up. <laughs> but it, it is, and I don't think teams are coming
2: in here going, "Oh, gee, I hate going into Rogers Place because that's a tough place to play." because yeah. it's not. It's not. It's not tough. It's not intimidating. The conditions aren't ideal. Uh, so there's a lot of things that, that need to be tinkering with. And, and you're right. They're not going to look up and say, "Oh, across Brooks played here nine times. <laughs> it must be a great building."
0: I well, mean, somebody could always go to the back room and say, "Oh, we burst up pipe; the ice we can't use it. Is Rexall Place still available? <laughs> yeah, that no, exactly. Maybe not. You know, of course, you know there's still lots of lots of games to play, um, and we don't know where anybody's going to finish. But just the prospect of—and this is me just throwing this out there—the Flames and the Oilers playing in the first round hmm. of the playoffs. Boy, wouldn't that be great? Don't that, you think?
1: That would stop the entire province that would be the well when's the last time that happened it's just 1991. Ep- absolutely epic it would be so, it, just in terms of travel in terms of uh just in terms of everything you know that rivalry has kind of been dead for a long time and if you meet a team in the playoffs that's how it starts and if you meet calgary uh, in the first round that would be just you know as good as it gets frankly
2: that would be fantastic. I know in 2006 it was setting up that way too, and Calgary blew a 3 1 lead against Anaheim, and that kind of threw it out the window. But if you think about it, there's an entire generation of, of people that are 25, 26, 27 who have no idea what the, yeah. Calgary, what the Battle of Alberta is playoff style. And, and, and that's, it's, it, I heard, like it's mind boggling to me to think that because I, I grew up in the Battle of Alberta, and every year the Oilers were playing Calgary, and, and they were battles. They were battles, seven game battles and and to have not have have had that for the last 20 some years 26 27 years it's it, it's it's incredible and i think it, it, it's almost mind-boggling that there is an entire generation of 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 Oilers fans that have no idea what it's like to meet Calgary in the playoffs and 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 i think it would be fantastic for the franchise it would be fantastic for the province and i think it would it would generate a lot of you know animosity that really hasn't been there Uh, in the way that I knew it back in the 80s in the way that we grew up. We grew up hating everything Calgary. Everything Calgary was bad. The only thing good to come out of Calgary was Highway 2 North when I was a kid. Now I don't know if they have that same velocity because the sports teams haven't had those battles.
1: Yeah, it's uh, uh, people talk about the Battle of Alberta now because there might be one fight or something or it's not like you have when you play a team seven games and and your season depends on it. That's when it really becomes a battle and then You know, at the end of every game, there's this—you know—there's a scrum or there's a brawl, and you're you're leading up to the next one. It's it's just as good as it gets for this province. Like this divisional thing, a lot of people don't like it because the metropolitan division, like, you know, those teams could be the final four in the league, and they're going to have to walk through each other before it's all over. But I like this, where Edmonton and Calgary could be playing in the playoffs, conceivably for the next few years.
0: And never mind, I mean. Obviously, the divisional alignments now don't echo what we had in the past because there are eight teams in the divisions as opposed to four or five. But, you know, in the Pacific Division, we still have the old Smythe Division partners, you know, L.A., Mm -hmm. Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, among them. And, uh, you know, because I grew up in Edmonton just like you, uh, Derek and uh, Robert. I don't even know where you grew up. Oh, I was marching
1: down Jasper Ave with a Tim Boyle <laughs> Stanley Cup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't believe I've never <laughs> yeah. firmed that up
0: with you. No, I only ever did that in 1988, yeah. in back of a Chevette with some brooms. Um, but honestly, yeah, I would sincerely hope, you know, here we are. You know, <laughs> there will be a 3-1 game. Someone will blow, and, of course, this scenario will go away. But, you know, it'd have to be like a seven-game series against the Flames. I mean, that happened in 91. Of course, it didn't happen in 88, but... You know, obviously those epic battles from 30 years ago or 25-plus years ago, I mean, it really was something. I mean, the playoffs are are something, you know, as a fan in the streets in the spring when you just have a little extra jump to your step because you know when you get home from work, you're going to prepare to watch this game. Yeah. But anyways, yes, the Calgary, the seven games, the, you know, because if they do finish 2-3, they are very fairly evenly matched, too. you know, Two-three in the Pacific Division, meaning they would play, face each other.
2: Yeah, and, and these are two teams that are young, and, and they're going in the right direction. They're going they're going up. And, and, and you look at that young generation of talent that, that Calgary has with Goudreau and Monaghan and, and Chuck and those guys, and then the young generation, the Edmonton Oilers have, and, and you're thinking, yeah, Rob's right. This could be something that we could be looking forward to every spring, seeing Calgary and Edmonton, which, which was the way it was back when I was a kid, when I was... Nineteen, twenty years old. It was every spring they were playing Calgary and Edmonton, and you look forward to that, and it was exciting. And basically, both cities shut down. Time stood still while those games were going on. And I think it's been a long time since we've seen that happen.
1: And I think we will see it over the next five, six, seven years because you know, you know, Anaheim's window is maybe closing a little bit. The Kings are are, are sinking down, and those two teams are on the way up. And I think that you know, for the next. Five, six, seven years these are going to be the two powerhouse teams in the division going at it in the playoffs all the time and to get a to get you know round one of it right now would be especially when it's, or it's first year first time in the playoffs in eleven years for it to be against calgary would be is just perfect
0: not a hockey related question but a playoffs related question if they want to be the Olympic playoffs, where should the blue mile be? Should it be on white avenue like in six? Or should it be downtown?
2: I think it'll probably go be go 104th Ave. I honestly do. Because I think outside the building and there's enough bars and restaurants in that area. So they can shut down 104th Ave and go yeah. up and down 104th Ave. Um, I think um, that's probably where most of the action will take place. And I, and I know, I think the, that arena and that whole district, I think, has really brought a lot of people downtown. And, and there's a lot more people living downtown. There's a lot more people working downtown. There's a lot more people every day downtown. Um, in Edmonton than there was 10 years ago. So I think that that makes a big difference, and I think you get those people piling out of that arena, yeah, they're not going to go far from 104. They're not going to go across yeah. the river. They're going to stay at 104th Avenue and, and party there.
1: They probably should have rethought that neon sign museum just outside the uh, uh, <laughs> outside the arena. <laughs> people come pouring <laughs> out of there after a loss. And yeah. At, well, yeah. We'll see. But,
2: yeah, I think that's where the – if there there's a designated – Blue mile or, or area where people will, will converge, that'll probably be it.
1: Yeah, this could be kind of the, the launching point of edmonton's downtown and okay, listen, you know, everybody's here and they all spill out into the streets, into the bars, into the everything, and it just becomes, you know, the place to be, which is the in, in you know the entire intent of the arena uh district. So
0: Yeah, I can't help but think it might <laughs> get You know, the audience might split. You know, some people are like, oh, I didn't know. No one told me the party was 104th. I went to White Avenue like we did 11 years ago or something, but, you know, because obviously White Avenue still has its fair share of concentration of bars. Besides all the people who live in, you know, Leduc and Summerside or whatever, they're like, I don't feel like driving all the way downtown. Look at that bridge. It's clogged full of traffic Cross that thing. (laughs) Besides, I shouldn't even be driving. I've been drinking. (laughs) Probably, even though it's against the law. Anyways, gents, uh, well, of course, now that we 've said all this it 'll not not come to pass, no. but it 's fun to think about anyway
2: well it 's fun to to have the team playing meaningful games in march like right. yeah. that's the one it, it's not we've for so long we 've covered this hockey team and it 's just been a uh, they 're playing out the string starting in j- january yeah. it 's just been a death march from January on and you're, and you're thinking about okay well who are they going to draft how are they going to who's the top picks like, I'm, it's nice not to be familiar with the top five guys yeah. in the NHL draft next summer
1: I mean to looking at this thing okay who do the Flames play tonight who do the Kings play tonight who does Anaheim play tonight oh they're playing you know it's t- to care and have a, a vested interest in all these games just is, is great for everybody for fans for writers for players it's it when you care about something it's it's a whole lot better than 11 years of just you know whatever you know makes a big difference
0: well, we'll leave it at that for this week. And uh, well, and then we'll be talking again between now and the end of, uh, or the middle of April. Thank you. So, Sounds thanks good. Thanks, guys. Good.